0: Get some of this. Boxeo is back in 2017, and so is the In This Corner podcast with Brian Campbell that voice you hear it's the same name on the marquee as BC returns with the juice no i'm not talking about oj instead it's another dose of that performance enhancing audio we got a big show ahead of you keeping you up to date on the latest in the sweet science including an interview with light heavyweight champion andre ward just 2 weeks out from his june 17th rematch with sergey kovlev but be sure to be sure to clear some of that time in your schedule this week for a double shot of WWE podcast on this in this corner including the instant analysis pod recapping Sunday's extreme rules, pay-per-view we will also hit you with the weekly recap show on Wednesday. And if you liked what you heard, do me a favor and spread that word. Very easy. You see something, you hear something that you like, then you got to say something, head over to Apple podcast, subscribe. Rate, review. Hey, why don't you do one more on top of that? Throw us a shout out on social media using the hashtag in this corner. But enough about that stuff. The business is out of the way. Let me bring in the big ginger. You love this guy. He call all the shots. He rip all the spots. Rock all the rocks. Yeah, even once in a while, he'll cop all the drops 10 years from now. Whew, you we'll know he'll be on, top. be on top. Yeah, he's a decorated author. He's a writer. He's a protector of all things European and cruiserweight wraith bartholomew my man how is it oh yeah brian i'm coming in with the kool-aid campbell uh, reference um
1: man you want me to start on cruiser rates right away i was gonna spare oh, you no, but we, uh man i'm no, ready, I'm, I'm time ready time to for go
0: in more richard schaefer ra- my man has he got time the big swiss he's back he's back <laughs> Rafe, i got a very big opening question for you yes, your sir. new book Two and two, McSorley's, my dad and me, it continues to blow up, which presumably means more greenbacks in your satchel. So is the ancient proverb sent to us by the wise sage Christopher Wallace actually true? Is it in fact, mo' money, more problems?
1: Oh uh, well, i I honestly believe in that uh, ancient proverb by uh, the late great Biggie Smalls. But I think there is a certain threshold limit uh, at which that that sort of tipping point occurs. And uh, as thankful as I am for the uh, the success of two and two this book so far, uh, I don't know if I have reached the mo money mo problems level of uh, of wealth that uh, I, I you know, I have to start turning away the greenback. so i'm I mean, you know, i'm I'm still open for business. All right, critical respect
0: is huge. Commercial respect we will get there, Rafe. But let's get back to the weekend that was in Boxeo. We've been off for a couple of weeks. We got a lot of talk about this past Saturday, though. We did have some fights. It was light. The real light heavyweight champion, the lineal guy, the guy with the literal crown on his head, adorns himself Superman. Adonis Stevenson, TKO2, Andre Fanfara in their rematch in Montreal. This was that real title, the flowery ring magazine belt, which used to mean something. The guy who beat the guy, beat the guy again, Rafe, at 39, 39, by the way, 39. What did Adonis show you? Because I don't think he showed us any regression in this bout. No, I mean he didn't show regression.
1: Obviously, he looked good in in just destroying Fanfara in, in sort of the way he probably should have finished him. What was it almost five years ago or three three years 2014 ago?
0: 2014
1: was the first fight, Ooh, right? So three at that years stage.
0: Fanfara um, got off the deck, right? Then right, right, Adonis got then, off
1: the deck late. Then Adonis faded a little bit, had a weird little knockdown, and then but but um yeah, um I thought he looked pretty good. Uh I, I think if there's, but it's hard to tell because he's fighting Fanfaro, who may be a little washed, and we could talk about that later, um, and who also is just slow. So the the thing I had noticed when Stevenson beat um, Thomas Williams last year in that sort of fun four round, you know, like like uh, just you know slugfest. Was that he didn't? Stevenson obviously still had his power. He didn't look quite as quick, quite as like you know, like as if we want to get uh, Max Kellerman here. He, the fast twitch muscles didn't seem quite as fast. Um, he didn't look as special as an athlete. Um, but um, but he still has enough of it uh, to 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 knock out these this caliber of opponent. I wonder if it would be quick enough for him to land those sort of fight changing punches against better the top top level of competition, which. Maybe someday he'll actually fight. I mean, he's running out of uh, other
0: opponents. Well, that's the real storyline, right? I mean, he won the title in 2013 when he one punch KO'd Chad Dawson. I mean, that's four years. He's given you eight title defenses in four years, but obviously the big problem is he stayed on his own side of the street. He's only fought twice in the last two years, and when you look over the run of guys he's beaten, like, look, I respect the moving the chains sort of title defenses against hungry guys like Thomas Williams Jr., even against Von the first time around. Tony Bellew, all good. Even a wash divorce cloud, all good. But the problem is... Then you're mixing in Tommy Carpency unacceptable. You're mixing in Dmitri Sakotsky, one one of the uh one of the great sucks uh that we've seen here in, in a while. So it's only so much you can learn right. And look, he looked fantastic in a round and a half, and Virgil Hunter saved Fanfaro from further damage, which is it which is another topic altogether. But it's hard, Rafe. You know, I mean, he, he lucks into a, I don't want to say luck, but he kind of lucks into a title win at 37. You know, he's had an interesting previous life, done jail time, late run in his career under the late Emmanuel Stewart. Now I just feel like he's been cashing checks. I mean, he's been cashing checks for four years, taking on a certain level of competition. We've kind of stopped caring about it, caring about him, rightfully so, because of that. Do you have any more confidence now that he ha- that he has put forth four years of lining his pockets and going on social media, you know, flaunting his wealth, that he actually does want the biggest names, meaning Kovalev and Ward, who will meet in a few weeks for a rematch?
1: I don't know. I, I I don't I don't know exactly why he chose, you know, what le- what events led to him basically ducking Kovalev in the past. Uh, was it Adonis not wanting the fight or was it just promoter wrong side of the street stuff with networks? Um, I mean, I'm going
0: to say his- oh, I'm going to ju- jump in and answer yeah. that. I say 75 percent networks and 25 percent real cash, because I never actually doubted that Adonis would face Kovalev. But I think he wants the real money to do it, right? He wants like right. five million to do it. And that price would never be there for as much as we love the idea of that fight three, four years ago, right? Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, exactly. And at the time that fight was really hot, Kovalev himself had only been on HBO a couple times. And also when, you know, Stevenson sort of defecting to to Heyman and at that point in time was one of the sort of the big uh sort of reversals in the whole HBO slash top rank slash main events uh, battle cold war, uh, the uh the 2013, there. 14 era, uh, you know, with, uh, with Al Heyman, which eventually became PBC, blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you also obviously can blame when you look back over history that main events took that chance, right? They, they mm-hmm. called the uh, Al Heyman in, in, in uh, Adonis's bluff and trying to g- send it to a, to a title b- purse bid situation, you know, make the fight without happen, having happen. the money. to Yeah. Everybody pulled out because they went, look, it's all frustrating. It's all business. It's all boxing. It all stinks. I do say, though, for as much as I haven't cared about Adonis the last couple years, seeing him look, look this good against an opponent, in reality, he's supposed to look this good against, did give you those feels that say... Hey man, he still got it for the most part and it would still look great for him to fight the winner of Ward Kowal. Oh, I mean, man. it really it's an would. An awesome fight,
1: man. I mean, he even even though I don't favor him against either, you know, either guy would probably win or lose like if he fought the loser next or the winner next. Um he still has that. I mean, he is, he's still quick enough to land a punch, especially against Kovalev and nobody. And it's very you can't. How? I mean, do you are you confident in in saying that you expect either guy to be able to take a, a you know, a, a, a clean punch from Stevenson? If he lands that left, you don't know. I mean, that that is one of That's the most dangerous weapons in boxing and, and he can
0: still deliver it real fast and as a counter. Yeah, and there's no question about it. That weapon is still there. And look, he's athletic. I don't really trust him on the pure boxing level, but on the athletic boxing level where you know where he's a better version of John Pascal in that regard where he can give you the athletic boxing, hard to pick up his rhythms, he's a little bit awkward, he can still do things. I think if you're looking for his future now, maybe if Ward beats Kovalev, you'll have a better chance of finally seeing Adonis against somebody who matters, but still, there's some commercial holdup in there. Ward's still not moving giant blocks of pay-per-views, right? There's still an issue there, and if Kovalev were to win, who knows if we could ever cross the street and make that fight, so your more realistic option in seeing him against a dangerous opponent again probably comes from what we saw in that co-main event uh, on Showtime this past weekend when Elider Alvarez, the unbeaten Montreal-based fighter, eked out a majority decision over John Pascal scale is that a challenge that would get you excited for Adonis
1: um I hate to say it but no I mean I I I have nothing against Alvarez I mean he's looked he always looks decent he is obviously a competent fighter who has earned a shot you know and and actually been waiting for it for you know longer than maybe he, he deserves to have waited for it I mean I mean he you know should have been forced to wait for it like I mean he deserves it sooner than he's getting it um but he's also, you know, he's just never really looks great in the ring. You know, even, even Pascal, who, uh, again, we could get to this later, uh, to me is pretty washed at this point. I mean, he can't take a punch really well at the, you know, he's, he's pretty, he's close to done. Um, and, uh, and he couldn't, and Alvarez, you know, besides wobbling him early in the fight, couldn't really do, you know, do enough to get him out of there and make a statement. Uh, I don't, uh you know i think he will look better against uh against stevenson than say fonfara did i mean he can box you know he's probably not going to just get his head taken off in the first round um but eventually i just don't think he has the firepower to 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 win that fight um yeah. or the defense to 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 keep adonis from eventually hurting him
0: you're right. This was his platform to show you that he's for real. He passed the test, but it wasn't enough to show you that he's for real, right? Well, and while I'd like Adonis against Alvarez, I'd like Adonis against Arthur Beterbiev. You this better thing, believe. Brian. Like you exactly. better this believe what that. You're this,
1: this like we don't even need to wait for Ward and Cole. Uh, that's that's obviously tough stuff. There's a lot of the, the this division is just. Gotten a little. It's not quite as top heavy as it was when it when it looked like just Kovalev Stevenson, and then like you know Muhammad, you know Najib. I forget that guy's name that got knocked out twice. Um, <laughs> Najib Mohammedi. Yes, yes, exactly, Najib Muhammad-y. Um, But. Um, yeah, they're they guy like the the, the division is getting thicker. I mean, Joe Smith Jr., I don't know how real Why, we want to believe he is. He's but in his he's... prime
0: and he's washed at the same time. Come on, he's, <laughs> all right. after the more play, importantly he's the more importantly, and- you've
1: got these three uh Eastern European gentlemen, um Dmitry Bival, who's you know, only ten and 0, but fighting on the undercard uh for, for Ward Kovalev too, and has looked great so far. He looks dangerous. Obviously, better be if he can stay healthy and is as powerful as he you know has looked in the past. Is is a dangerous fight. And also the Alexander Vodzik, the, the guy from uh, Ukraine who fought on the undercard of the last Lomachenko fight, that guy looks like the truth. I mean, I, I, I'm i probably I'm jumping way overboard, like, like Titanic overboard, but sure he looked so English good. Right now. He looked so good beating Unieski Gonzalez that I was like, yo, I might take him over Kovalev and Ward right now. Um, again, <laughs> way off the deep end but he looked
0: yeah, bro, awesome you so you know we got time for the for this we got this we got matchups treatment. now we got matchups look i would I'd, I'd be down for look in the end you don't want to see any more tommy carpentries we don't have time for that you don't want to see saki obika getting rolled out there again <laughs> when adonis <laughs> fought him on cbs i mean you had the chance for the platform and you put out a crap fight You better believe that I'd be down for better, be even a matchup. But come on, Adonis. Jim Gray, I'll give him credit. Jim Gray can be an annoyance. Jim Gray went at at Adonis in that post-fight interview and pushed him to stay busy to fight people. We'll see. Here's what I really care about about Adonis. Not will he fight Kovalev, not how good did he look. I want to know how good did he look in that crown and robe that he wore after. The real light heavyweight king dressed in a crown and robe during the post-fight interview. Tacky as all heck. Rafe, when you compare other boxers who have done this King Harley race, King Booker WWE type <laughs> gimmick after a fight, where did Adonis this weekend rank among the likes of the King himself, King Zahir Rahim, against Morales about a decade ago? Well, I mean, King
1: Zahir Rahim, I, 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 you know, of course, with that fight, the the outfit is not the first thing you think of. It's uh, <laughs> it's the action in the in, in Eric Morales's corner. You know, uh, uh, you want to take it from that, here? Let me. Let me put some water on your balls. Oh I well, I'm awake now. All right. Um but no, my I mean, look, my favorite uh king of king in the ring has to be sexy Sergio Martinez throwing on the plastic crown after beating Kelly Pavlik and they put it on after a uh, after Paul Williams too when he knocked him out in the second fight. I mean, that thing was classic. It was like they they base it was one step up from the, the the paper crown you could get at Burger King and Sergio <laughs> would just Rocking it like he, and plus it helped because he had, uh, you know, he he had um, the Sarmiento, his you know one of the Sarmiento, whichever of the Sarmiento brothers was training him at the at the time, Pablo or the other one, wearing the crazy blue blocker shades in the ring. I mean, they had, uh, you know, Samson Lukowitz who always has a great gold chain and a weird red shirt on. I mean, th- that that whole kind of
0: dresses like Satan himself, right? I mean, the guy's fantastic. <laughs> you could
1: you could put it that way, yes. Um, you know, that whole uh, royal court, so to speak, in the ring. Uh, really took it over for me, but but Adonis was good too. I mean, this. I mean, he had like the big velvet robe, the kind of weird, the the the, the kind of wedding cake style crown, which we I haven't seen <laughs> too much of. I mean, it was I, it was a respectable effort. The thing that takes away from it, in my point of view, is that it's off brand. I mean, who is he? Is he Adonis Superman Stevenson? Is he you know the the king? He kept. I mean, what are we talking about here? Um, you know, well, I, I don't really love either gimmick that much i mean neither is very creative but might as well stick with one
0: no you're right you got too many gimmicks going on i think look from the beginning the pbc and they won't do this because it's not their style and i know that every fighter what do i end up telling you they should turn them heel i it's the pro wrestling guy in me But they should have turned Adonis heel once he signed with Al Heyman. Because it was basically a heel turn. Every time he was on the screen, people booed him. Everyone's like, you're ducking Kovalev. He's flashing, you know, all of his flaunting financials on social media. Always in a sports car. They actually should have played this up. Forget the king gimmick. They should have played it up that this guy don't care. But, you know, whatever. They don't do that. It's a big win. But you're right. Sexy Sergio, he's the real king of boxing. Crown him. He is who he thought he was. Rafe. Go ahead, talk to me about these European cruiserweights. Tell me about, I mean, we all have our things. I love hashtag old guy fights. You love the Eastern Bloc. Bring it to me.
1: Oh my God. Well, we had a really, really fun uh, cruiserweight eliminator in Russia this weekend. Dmitry Kudrashev uh, knocked out in a rematch. uh, I can't even say this guy's name. His last name is Doradola, a Nigerian fighter um, who had knocked him out sort of surprisingly a, a year and a half ago. And man, I mean... Kudra, this guy Kudryashov is so slow, but just sort of like plods through the ring and throws these giant. I mean, it's called the Russian sledgehammer. He is very fun to watch. He has one of the most evil-looking beards in boxing. I mean, he's basically like stock character for a someone like if they, whenever when they make John Wick three, this guy is going to be coming after Keanu Reeves in that movie. And I give him a decent shot if he lands a punch. Um, he is, I you know, and cruiserweight is just full of these. Fun, heavy-handed, not great, but good enough to put on a really exciting fight uh, type of guys. I mean, Gassiev is there. He can really punch. Um, Maris who the Latvian titleist, who also can really punch. I mean, he went up to to heavyweight a couple years ago and one-shotted Manuel Char. Manuel (laughs)
0: Char. Uh,
1: I mean, there's just a lot. In our guy.
0: Marius, uh, uh, what what am I thinking of? Our guy who did the one off at heavyweight against Povetkin that time and lost lost a lost uh, a Marco. Marco Marco our guy Marco. Captain Hook Captain Hook he's he's lingering right. Wowatsky
1: is still there, so I mean I'm really really excited for whatever thing uh, the evil magician Richard Schaefer is coming up cooking up with the cruiserweights in his in this tournament. He's already got Gassiev and uh, and Bredis and one of the Polish ones, Ladowski already set up for this one if he gets uh you know three or five more if he can get an eight person bracket ooh, it could be hot hot stuff and I think it would you know it's a good idea because there's fighters uh, who are fighting at a high level but aren't well known and you know he can probably get them on the cheap make a good tournament and have something that people really you know at least the the diehards or the people who really get into this weird stuff uh I think are really going to enjoy it I'm I, you know I'm,
0: I'm licking my chops You're fired up for this. The diehard fans that I talk to, they love the cruiserweight division. It's not that I don't love it. It's not that it doesn't deliver. I mean, the PBCs put forth actually a couple of good cruiserweight title fights involving, like we mentioned, Marco hook and involving some guys, but I don't know. It just still doesn't. Maybe there's that sort of that casual side of me that comes out at times, even though I am a hardcore fan. I got my hashtag Boxing Heads Green Card. Believe me, I'm, I'm full membership. Sometimes, though, it's hard. The I mean, boxing to heads,
2: be,
1: benevolent society.
0: Exactly. But these are the kind of guys that bruise too much. They lose too much. You know what I mean? The And if they stepped on a stage, the girls will probably boo too much. They're not moving my needle all the time. But hey, uh, Tricky Dick, Richard, the Swiss master, Richard Schaefer. He's got some shady money coming in from Europe, preferably Germany here with, with, with Cali Sauerland. We'll see where this tournament goes. I don't think they're going to move people in the U.S. with cruiserweights. I mean, that's a big leap.
1: Look, I'm, I'm leading the charge, man. I will be there. Anyone want to get on this train? Get at me. We can do this together.
0: Choo-choo looking back a couple weeks ago the Rafe as we move on here Errol Spence jr was the truth this was two weeks ago went to England May 27th stopped Kell Brook ko11 to capture a welterweight title we're talking about people we should crown because they are who we thought they we were Spence is the real deal I made that leap afterwards Rafe it's not a knee-jerk leap because I've been wanting to do this for ever since I first saw him I made the leap of putting him in the top 10 pound for pound putting him at number six, because I was so impressed by a performance where he didn't go in there and walk Brooke down and knock him out in four rounds. You know what he did? He went in there, faced some adversity, improved. He was the better fighter in enemy territory. Are you okay with me putting the truth at number six pound for pound?
1: I look, I mean, the pound for pound part of it, it makes sense. You could, you could have an argument either way. Um, but I thought it was a, a, such an impressive win. I mean, you know, and like you said, I, I don't, um, I, I don't, dock him points for, for being behind in the first half of that fight for, for ha- facing some adversity. I think that makes it a more impressive performance that, you know, uh, when, you know, through the first six rounds, he, he was getting outworked a little bit and he, and, and Kel Brook was having a pretty easy time finding him. Then, you know, Spence was able to to sort of find another gear and just overwhelm Brook. I mean that and, and Brook and, you know, I think Kel Brook came ready to fight. I don't think that, uh, I mean, there is of course, you know, something probably, he probably lost something, uh, you know, getting beat up by triple G last year, but he looked, he fought well. I mean, he fought, he fought half the fight, you know, and was winning. So you can't say that he looked, he, he, he was just damaged goods. Um, and I think that if Spence had just steamrolled him, given him like the algeria treatment and put an avocado on top of him along with some chocolate brownies, <laughs> um, you know, if, if that had happened, then I think a lot more people might be saying, oh, well, yeah, he really was da- – Kell Brook was damaged goods. He, he couldn't come back after fighting <clears throat> Triple G, especially going back down in weight two classes. Blah, all, all that stuff would have come out a lot more. Here it's like, no, you fought close to um, or perhaps a 100 percent prime Kell Brook and just – him you know got got through some rough patches and oh, eventually just took over the fight and that's really impressive I mean does it was it a perfect performance or you know and 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 did it no and maybe it lacked like some great you know sort of cherry on top ending um which you know we get you know save the cherries for the Garcias um
0: <laughs> but um don't, don't be putting cherries on my Instagram bottom line but don't hell be you
1: can't it. ask for more than what uh, Errol Spence did and, and the way he uh, and the way he did it he's he if you want to put him in your top 10 that makes sense to me
0: like his best skill I've always said it, is the poise I think the poise is connected to his backbone his toughness like Kel Brook he doesn't panic in these situations and I loved how he reacted in that second and third round when Brooke was timing him and coming over the top of, of Spence's jab with the right hand and making it difficult for him. You love the way Spence responded. I love the way Spence responded after the fight even more. Gave himself a B- said the nine-month layout, which had been the long of his career, and the only reason he did it was to wait for Kelbrook to recover. He admitted it played a part. He wasn't as fresh as he wanted to be. And I love even more, Rafe, that he's calling out the right people. He's not only saying, I want Thurman and I want Manny Pacquiao. He's confidently saying, I'm going to beat them both i've listened to almost every interview spence did in the follow-up of that fight he just did a media tour this week in new york city so you cannot but love the confidence of what he brings it's not boastful it's not bragging he wants to face the best he wants to do it now yet we hear reports about what could be next boxing scene coming out this week because thurman's not ready we know it's going to be difficult to make a pacquiao fight there's some underground things going on that you may see spence back this fall In his hometown of Dallas, in a showcase type out on regular Fox TV for whatever dates the PBC has left for this national TV exposure scam they got going on there. Uh, All reports, though, say not even a Lamont Peterson type, a lesser showcase type. You okay with this after a victory like this or is this pop the balloon a little?
1: Um, it doesn't pop the balloon just because I think I I expected it. I mean, a lot. This is what a lot of champions do after for winning, you know, especially winning his first title. He won it overseas. Um, it, you know, it 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 doesn't doesn't rub me the wrong way to take like a victory lap defense against a guy who is who is expected to sort of showcase a, a, a you know a, a get a knockout or just you know, uh. Yeah, I mean, just um, class. It it, it, happen- it seems like it's part of the sport, especially with Thurman, which is the fight that there would be a demand for, with him out with the elbow and probably not wanting to fight Errol Spence first thing when he he's back from, from surgery and rehab. Um, it, it, the timing doesn't bug me that much. Um, the difference between Lamont Peterson and someone worse than Lamont Peterson to Errol Spence, I don't think that makes a difference um maybe put him in there with somebody we put him in there with like a caveman you know get him in there with a guy with the who just can take punches all night and see what happens that kind of you know get a get a brawler in there they resurrect you know throw throw i mean hey in a perfect world, you could throw, uh, you know, a stack of millions on uh, down down to Argentina and say, you know, hey, uh, El Chino Maidano, why don't you come back and and fight for a title? Um, but oh, he's smart, he smart
0: enough not to take the millions against a guy like Spence, who will surgically dis disembowel him. He'll he'll take the millions in a, in a brawl that he knows he can win. Like, hey, we got Brandon Rios's carcass on line one. You want to brawl that for a million? That's what he would do. Um, I just hope it's not a. A real bad Boondu type. I mean, he already beat up on Boondu, but you know, in in the perfect world, it would be a Robert Guerrero type. We already have Robert Guerrero oh coming God. back on the PBC <laughs> this summer. He's already washed. He's fighting Figueroa oh Junior. It'll God. probably be a brawl. But if if if, if RG wasn't a, if Fan, if Captain Phantasma himself wasn't as washed, that type of name would work. You know, a Burto type, whatever. I just Who's like time? what he's doing.
1: Find Ruslan. Call call uh, Artie Palulo Find Ruslan Pravadnikov.
0: Ruslan's face. I, I, his mother can't go through that again. All right. I mean, <laughs> looking at her own clothing is enough of a, to to make her that unhappy. Uh, Rafe Kelbrook from here. I want the Amir Khan showdown. You can do it at fifty four. You can do it in a soccer stadium. You can have Carl Froch come out and make sure that eighty thousand don't come in. That they stop at seventy nine ninety nine. Where do you want to see Kelbrook go next?
1: Yeah, I mean the con fight is great. I mean, that sort of seems like the fight that they he should either look for next or to build to. Um, you know, uh maybe, you know, Brooke, I think, certainly after fighting Triple G and then Errol Spence back to back has earned uh, you know, a lighter touch if he wants to, if he wants to sort of get it get some confidence back and really feel good in the ring again. Um, and and sort of move, you know, work towards uh con later, you know, sometime next year either way makes sense to me. I, I don't think he needs to rush back like into the deep, deep waters, like say, go to 154 and start calling out Lara and uh, the Charlos. But, um, you know, if he, if he does more power to him and, and, and I hope he, uh, that would make him have some one, one hell of a, a schedule if he does it. But, um, yeah, Khan makes sense. I mean, that's the one they, they, they can make huge money on it. They've been going back and forth for years. Uh, and, they're both in that kind of – they're starting to get into that weird career zone when you start to realize, all right, these guys aren't are, – Brooke could get back in the mix, but Khan is pretty much out of the real, like, elite welterweight mix. Um, why not, you know, start start having these sort of matchups that make sense because they're decent fights and people want to see them.
0: Yeah, and I, and I just love what they're doing in the UK. Now, this is two fights in a row the last couple of months, Klitschko Joshua being the other – that when you sit there in the U.S. watching it, I mean, that that energy through the screen of these U.K. crowds, which it's always been really, but you can just feel it. It's palpable. I want more fights to go there, Rafe. And it's not just my my old man, East Coast, Eric Raskin uh, uh, narcolepsy side of me coming out where I'm like, hey, man, to get a fight to start at 6 p.m. Eastern as opposed to 11.30, I'm all over that. But by the way, I am all over that because when it comes to writing a, a deadline column, I'd much rather write that column at 7.30 Eastern than I would after midnight. That's a person... Personal problem. I just want to see more people. And I know that, you know, Canelo and Triple G, which we will talk about in a second, some breaking news just recently today. But I when they were talking about, hey, England's got some money. England's interested. I'd like to see somebody do that. You don't need English fighters to bring a fight to a hotbed like there where you know the stadium's going to pack, you know it's going to be pushed with some some big time, you know, drama and, and fanfare with it. I'd be down for more fights going to the UK. I'm in, I'm well, in, Brian, come on. I mean,
1: we'll see. I no, no, I think that 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 I mean, I'd be not only would I be down with it, but I depending on how the economics of the sport go over the next couple years here in the States, I would not be surprised if that just happens naturally. I mean, if if uh, H, you know, we we we've all heard the stories about and read the stories about HBO uh, having uh, less budget to to buy boxing fights, and that's why we see you know these these sort of smaller things being moved to pay per view when they would have just been would have been HBO Championship Boxing before. If there is less and less money for fighters here, and they can make a better purse by going to you know fighting fighting in the UK because they're the the sport is hot there right now, and there are great fights. Um, then I would, I mean, isn't that what will naturally happen? I don't know exactly. There, It'll take a while to get over that bias of just thinking, well, obviously the biggest fights are, are in the States, are in Vegas, because it's just been that way for a long time. But if that changes, if if the biggest fights start being put on at Wembley, where you know, which was you know christened by the great Cobra Carl Frotch. <laughs> um, <laughs> give me
0: give me Froch Kessler three at Wembley, eighty thousand and one oh, fans. You children. know, was
1: talking about last weekend, this is like he listening to Carl Frotch called George Groves's win over uh, oh oh god the Russian guy he fought. You said Dmitry Sakovsky earlier, and it and it just I lost I lost the I lost the thread on this other Russian guy, yeah. but seeing George Groves win. And Carl Froch calling it, you know, sort of criticizing everything that Groves was doing. Gro- Groves doesn't look very good right now. Oh, it was classic. And also a fun four-round fight. I mean, uh, tough Russian pressure fighter uh, Groves managed to sort of land gr- enough counters to to stop him, uh, but for a while it looked like Groves might be in for a long night, and he broke his jaw in the fight. So, uh. well,
0: bro, I got I got a hard thing to break to you. George Groves is washed, but we can move on into our <laughs> washed or prime segment this week. It's very simple. Are we closer to being washed? Are we closer to being primed? I will start you off first. Jean Pascal, the former light heavyweight champion at age 34 did lose the majority decision to Alvarez, which we mentioned. Rafe, is this man washed or prime right now?
1: Oh man. Uh, I think Pascal is washed. He's, he's had, you know, if you look at someone with a tough resume, he's fought so many good oh, fighters, yeah. um, and been in some real tough fights. I mean, it go all the way back to him fighting Carl Frotch. I mean, that was a war. um, Pascal is, uh, he, he, I, I don't really like the, the way that he takes punches now, uh, concerns me, you know, when he, you can tell when he gets a tough shot, he's, he, you know, his, his eyes get a little googly and he, uh, and his legs go pretty quick and he's smart. He's smart about it. He, you see, he, he holds right away. Um, so he's, he's managing it well and he managed it well against Alvarez in order to go the the full 12 rounds and make it a pretty competitive fight. Um, but against better opposition it's just it, it could i i feel like there you will, we'll see a lot more ugly um you know kovalev and kovalev 2 style fights and and it this is a scary division with some young hungry fighters who probably could use a name like jean pascal on their resume so um uh, i I'm, I'm afraid to say it i think he's washed and we might end up seeing him get fed to guys like alexander uh, vodzik and uh better and and Though those kind of really Talented, young, up-and-coming light heavies uh, might have some, some washed John meat to work on. Uh, what about uh, Saturday's other loser, uh, Andy Andre Andrej Fanfara, the Chi-Town legend?
0: Is it over for him? No, he's actually not washed. You know what he Dude. really is? He's just an average fighter, right? Like he was like a darling of Friday night fights for a while because he puts on wars, he gets hurt, he comes back. Some borderline wash guys could get him in trouble, but he'll get those guys out of there. Gabe Campio, what, he had a couple of fights with him. I think he just sort of found his run to make some money and he took advantage of it. And how he did that was he overachieved against Adonis Stevenson. And we forget about that first fight. Stevenson hurt his left hand in the second round. And Stevenson still is too much of a left-hand dominant fighter. He relies on that one weapon. We know he also can fade light in fights if he didn't prepare himself properly. It was a perfect storm for Fanfara to overachieve in that fight, then be a washed, overweight Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. to suddenly be in a spot where we go, oh my god, is, is Fanfara a, a fighter of the year contender and the fun back
1: and forth fight with cleverly. That was, you Absolutely. know, they, they Absolutely. threw a million punches and no one got hurt.
0: Fought his heart out. We almost were talking him for like a dark horse fighter of the year candidate. He had his run, but you know what he really is. He's an average fun fighter. And I think you saw that again in this rematch. He's not close. He's not necessarily in his prime, but he's not washed. And one thing on Pascal, he's washed Rafe. And I know they use this fight on Saturday as a possibility. Had he beaten Alvarez to do Adonis versus Pascal. It's a shame we didn't see Adonis versus Pascal a year ago when Pascal still had some juice left in him and still could have sold a fight and made that big. That rematch with Kovalev was completely unnecessary. No one cared about it. It brought nothing to the table. We should have saw Stevenson, Pascal at that point. And I say, while Pascal is washed, man, you had a great run, John, Gene, however you're going to call yourself. Because not only did you make those memorable fights, you sold those memorable fights. Who will forget him rapping in the locker room and dancing? With Roy Jones during that ridiculous run where Roy was his trainer, and who will forget him in the Hopkins rematch at that press conference the day before? Take the test, take the test. <laughs> Classic Hall of Fame moments. He's washed Andy Fanfara. Let's give him another day Wait, to live,
1: Brian. I, I have one question, Fanfara related. Um, so, do you think that he just is a fighter who needs to get warmed up, and is it's a risk when he gets caught early and 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 caught cold, and and he can get taken out? Or, I mean, between the Joe Smith Jr. and now this, a, a second, you know, uh, early knockout, I mean, to a guy who you probably would have expected him to knock out. But do you think that I, basically the question is, is Fanfara's chin going? And for a fighter like that, if his chin is gone, what you know, he, he, forget about it.
0: Well, he never really had a chin, and you make a good point. He's suspect to get buzzed early. That's sort of who he is. You you know, he's got – I don't want to say he never had a chin. He's got heart. He fights through things, but he always had the kind of chin that could get him on the deck. And I think when he got blasted by Joe Smith Jr., it kind of was a reminder of who this guy really is. This fight was no different. we got to move on here. Rafe, primer washed – rock nation sports as a boxing promoter. We know that Cotto Miguel Cotto parted ways recently of all people. They're really down to who Andre Ward and no one else. There's a lot of, you know, talk of no love loss between them and main events in the build up to this rematch. I was at the, uh, Kovalev Ward Two kickoff press conference in New York City. You know Michael Yormark, his twin brother owns the you know runs the Barclays Center. Yes, sir. Yormark just ran his mouth to open that press conference in like the most unprofessional way I've ever seen. Basically saying that Kovalev's going to get knocked out and he's a whiner and he gives excuses. This promotion, yeeh, what primer wash from your perspective?
1: Um I mean I guess the question there is like don't you need to have had a prime or something like it to be considered washed um you know Rock Nation um yeah it's nice that they tried to get into boxing I don't think that they ever you know Rock Nation sports it never seemed like they fully devoted themselves to it the same way they they got into some of the the other athletes they managed you know as an agency um and Hey, I mean, they—they—they. They, 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 how many shows did they put on? They put on the one with Fabulous Rapping and the ridiculous fur coat and like a Dusty Harrison uh, main <laughs> event. Um, it, it, they, I don't know if they ever had a prime to be washed. Good point. Um, Good
0: point. But to, they are now. You know, they—they—they
1: they, they, they did have some. Uh, they did have a. You know, they—they've had some decent fighters. You know, obviously uh, a short uh, stint with uh, with Guillermo Rigondo and and a Do couple fights with Cotto. You?
0: Didn't was they have that, Yuri Gamboa for a season? Th- I mean,
1: Gamboa's been everywhere, right? I mean, from 50 to, uh, I don't know if they actually had him, but he definitely might have fought on those
0: cards. But look, the big fail was throwing a ton of money at Cotto knowing that outside of the Canelo fight, they're not going to get him into a competitive matchup. And then the big fail was not using Jay-Z. Wasn't he ringside at that one Dusty Hernandez-Harrison card on BET and that was it? Is that the only one? I mean,
1: I don't know if that was their mistake or something that Jay-Z just wouldn't do for them, you know? I mean, who knows? I mean, well, he, Can you he get may... Jay-Z
0: to tweet out Cotto Canelo once, once? Apparently not, be-
1: man. Apparently that's not, you know, Jay-Z's got bigger fish to fry, which kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, they did. I, it, it is sort of suspect where like, if you want to get into boxing, why not? Why, why do it sort of in a, in a way that appears to be um, sort of like they're half-stepping, you know, like they didn't really dive all in because, because box, but on top of that boxing, we know, we know this, it's just such a unique business. And that's why you see the same for better and more often probably for worse the same power brokers just stay in the sport and get sort of recycled in different places. I mean, Richard Schaefer having a second life, you know, I mean, Bob Aram is going to live forever. And, uh, you know, main events has been around. I mean, the people who know how to get stuff done are the same people, you know, sort of into perpetuity um, and they take advantage of the new ones. They kind in order to sort of scare them off. So I mean, it's very hard to break into the sport as as, as a new promoter. And they they made a much better run of it than 50 cent. I mean, you know, at least they got that
0: Uh, 50 thought he was going to get Floyd and Floyd's money coming out of jail. Right. And then I'm sorry, miss Jackson. Something happened there, Rafe. We don't have time to get into that, but, but he was for real in that transaction. I believe, I mean, you tease the bag, you get the mess. Somebody teased the bag there. Rafe, Speaking of a Rock Nation fighter, we have light heavyweight champion Andre Ward, who gave us some time this week talking about that June 17th Kovalev rematch, talking about a few different interesting things. Let's throw it to the champ himself. Hey, I want to look back at this first fight with you. I was on the side that scored it for you. I saw the adjustments you made mid-fight. I guess you want to say disarming Kovalev. From your perspective, what did you do in the middle of that fight to change the course?
2: I think it was a lot. You know, I I don't think it was just one thing. I think it was, uh, um, you know, after the knockdown, you know, all the the thinking kind of went out of the window and I just started reacting, which was, you know, the right thing for me to do. I actually think it was a mistake for him to knock me down. Um, And, you know, just my presence alone was something he was uncomfortable with, you know, being mid-range and in close. Um, You know, the body shots wore him down. Uh, and just the fact that somebody was, you know, attacking him for once instead of moving away from him, uh, it was hard for him to process, and I don't think he had an answer for it.
0: When you look at the the adjustments you did make, how much of that do you think was out of necessity after, you know, essentially falling down on the scorecards earlier, or how much of that was the plan you had hoped to execute coming in? I think it was a little bit of both.
2: You know, I just think that, that once the knockdown happened, you know, uh, I didn't have the luxury to to sort of let the fight come to me. I had to I had to go and I had to make things happen uh, and try to be responsible about doing it. But you know I, I had to go to work. You know, and I think you know I'm, I'm pleased with my reaction and my response, and I'm pleased with the response of my team. You know, when when we hit adversity, you know, that's a fight or fight situation. When you hit the canvas, uh, your team can panic. I don't care how long you, you know how much experience your coach has. Uh, things can go really, really bad and get worse quickly. And, you know, I was pleased at the fact that, you know, we were on the same page. Burr did a tremendous job in the corner. He was what he needed to be in that moment. He had urgency, but he didn't panic. Uh, and I feel like I had the same thing. I didn't panic, but I had urgency about me. And, and we earned a hard, hard-fought decision. I, I really don't know why that's so hard for something to grasp.
0: Well, I think that's an interesting follow-up question. Like, it's no surprise to you it doesn't make sense, but it's no surprise to you that you've become a villain at times in either the media or the fans' eyes, despite the fact that you know you're gold American gold medalist, uh, you know clean image, everything like that. So when the reaction to this to these scorecards almost painted you as the villain again, what was it surprising that it came in this setting, or is it just like you know I'm used to that?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I think I think that side of it, you know, and those people get a lot of uh they get a lot of attention. But, you know, the the many people like yourself who felt like I won and felt like, man, he, you know, that was a tremendous comeback, you know, he bit down, he showed the heart of a champion, they don't get highlighted for some reason. You know, they don't get talked about a lot, you know, and a lot of a lot of the uh you know, the negative press gets highlighted. And I understand that, you know, that's that's what we in America, that's what we gravitate toward, but um you know, it, it's, it's just it's just interesting to me. And, and, and furthermore, um, individuals in this game, specifically, meaning boxing, you know, sometimes they paint you as a villain um, when you don't act the way they want you to act, when you don't talk the way they want you to talk, when you don't respond the way they want you to respond. Uh, they try to create their own narr- narrative instead of taking the time to understand your narrative. And furthermore, if you go look at The parallel between the people see it's one thing if somebody says hey i thought you you know you lost by a round or two i can respect that you know i disagree with that but all these people you know coming up with these conspiracy theories and 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 all these narratives and these stories and and excuses about why he lost i guarantee you those same individuals had a polarizing opinion about what he was going to do to me before that fight happened and instead of just saying hey man Ward did what he had to do, close fight, blah, blah. They're not going to go back on their word. they got to find a reason to justify, you know, their earlier opinions about the fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting, that reaction. Uh, When you look back at the first fight, was Kovalev's power any different than you saw coming in? And, And I don't just mean on that big right hand. I mean, you know, the jabs, the body shots you take during those 12 rounds. Did it change your image of him at all after that?
2: No, it didn't. You know, I actually expected a little bit more, you know. Um... You know, he's a good fighter, you know, uh, even though I'm the champion right now, you know, I consider him, uh, he's still a champion in my book, you know, he was the champion for a long time, uh, defended it for a long time, not a lot of people wanted to face him, he's a a quality fighter, you know, he's a really quality fighter, but, um, you know, I've always, you know, I don't say always, but, you know, early in my career, you know, uh, just based on, the things that my father told me uh, based on, you know, things that was drilled in me from Virgil, you know, you're not going to beat us off of a reputation and you're not going to beat us from talking and you're not going to beat us, uh, you know, by posturing, you know, you're going to have to earn it. And if he's if he's able to do that or was able to do that the first time around, of course I would have been disappointed, but I would have tipped my hat to him. Um, but you're going to have to earn it. And I just think he, he fought a fighter who he had never faced before, skill wise and different things, but also mentality wise. Like you can you can post, you know, whatever you wanna post on social media until your fingers turn red. It doesn't matter. Like that's not we gotta meet June seventeenth and that's all that matters.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You so he's fighting an individual with a mentality that he's never faced before.
0: You know, there's a lot of reports that have come out of some of the preview shows here that that his trainer, John David Jackson, either entertained ideas of joining your team or listened to ideas. (laughs) What is your side of that to Um, to set the record
2: straight? Man, it's it's what... I didn't read the article that came out, but, I I mean, listen. It's... Put it like this. They're doing a lot of damage control right now. They're doing a lot of damage control right now. You know, and I think... You know, over the course of the next couple of weeks, you know, you'll probably understand even more of what happened. But without getting into too much of it, um, you just got to look at, you know, the, the just the common sense uh, approach to the whole thing. You know, I guess from what I'm hearing from my team that he's saying that we reached out to him. But what sense does that make? You know, I have one of the best trainers in the world. Uh, that's not the first time we fought. Uh, a John David Jackson fighter. That's not the first time we fought or went against that guy. It's the second time. First time was Alan green. Second time was Kovalev. Um, what sense does that make for us to pick up the phone and ask if he's available to come over to our side? Like that makes zero sense at all. Like who would do that? Like that, that makes no sense. There's no need for it. We don't need John David Jackson. Um, Furthermore, again, without getting too much into it, what was stated that he did, he did that and more, much, much more. And if you listen to me and James Prince, my manager on the uh, the press tour, we alluded to that. We alluded to somebody in Kovalev's camp picking up the phone, doing a lot of talking. Not a lot of people caught it because we didn't say a name, but we knew everything that was going on in his situation. You know, we knew why he wasn't at either any of those press conferences. We, we knew the whole thing. We just didn't talk about it, and we don't talk a lot about it, and we probably won't say everything that happened. But um, they're just doing some damage control right now. But, of course, it's 100% legitimate,
0: 100%. Which fighter has more pressure on him entering this rematch?
2: That's hard to say. You know, at the end of the day, I, I think uh, – I just kind of focus on me, you know, I try to keep it simple and, you know, I don't think anybody can put uh, any more pressure on me than I do myself. And that's just a standard that we, my team has always had. I just, I strive for excellence, man. We don't always uh, uh, get it, but that, that's, that's where the goal is, you know? And and, um, so yeah, it's, just, it's hard to say, but I mean, of course he has pressure on him with all, you know, the excuses he's made and all the things that he said. He's got a lot of pressure on him, but but so do I. You know, i got to come better. Um, I was, you know, even though I was pleased with my response to the adversity, you know, I wasn't pleased with my start in that fight. I take full responsibility for that, and I have to be better, and I believe he's going to be better.
0: You know, you don't talk a lot about your legacy or, the, or, or what you've built, and I, I get it. You're in the middle of it right now, but how important is this fight to that legacy?
2: I think they're all important. You know, this is just the latest one on the books. But, you know, I got to have this one just like I had to have the Edwin Rodriguez fight and the Paul Smith fight because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, I'm held to a different standard, you know, in this sport. And I get it, you know. Um, I won't get the benefit of the doubt. And if you look at my pre-fight comments when I talked about this, I predicted this was going to happen. You know, the writer said, well, what's your motivation going into this fight? And, you know, why do you feel like you have to have it? I said, because... I have to win because I won't be given the benefit of the doubt. I said, but if he loses, he will. That's, that was said. And then you see the fallout afterwards. So instead of complaining about it, instead of getting on the soapbox and, and pointing out guys who are doing it, I have to internalize that. And that's what I do in training camp. And I have to leave it to where, okay, I'm going to remove all doubt and all excuses and, 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 and any, any, any questions that may be out there. That's my job and that's my motivation.
0: Well, Andre, in closing here, considering the standard you're held against, which which is which seems like it can be different at times, how important is that unbeaten record if you're going to retire with a legacy that that can be bigger than than say if you did catch a loss?
2: Um, it's funny. I, I feel like, you know, first first things first, you know, it's just about going out there and giving all I got. And and um, you know, the record was gonna be what it's gonna be. You know, I don't it's not like I put the the, the O before everything else and say, like, Well, I gotta keep the O, now let's go to work. It's like, no, let's work, let's get ready, let's approach it like we've always done. You know, this is boxing, anything can happen. Of course I'm I don't, ever wanna, I, don't I don't like to lose. I don't ever wanna lose. Um, but you gotta you gotta go through your,
0: your steps first and then, you know, just let that kinda kinda fall where it falls. Absolutely. Hey, best of luck to you, man. Very much looking to this rematch. Appreciate you taking the time.
2: Hey man, great interview. I appreciate the time.
0: That was Andre Ward Rafe. I think, you know, out of everything he said there, you know, talked a lot about how the media represents him, how he's been played out as a villain, you know, in the aftermath of that first fight. But I think the most interesting part about this was the whole JDJ gate, John David Jackson, the Kovalev trainer, lot of talk in recent weeks. Did he reach out to Andre Ward's camp after the first fight and talk about jumping ship? Or as Ward may have sort of cryptically gave mention to, was JDJ picking up the phone during the first training camp and giving secrets away to Ward? What did you take from this? I mean,
1: look, it it would not surprise me. I mean, like once the whole the whole thing going on in the corner with with the you know, with uh, the sort of new Russian Boo Boy Fernandez showing up to speak to Kovalev in Russian while while John David Jackson was just sort of pantomiming yeah, jabs in front let me of stop him. stop you
0: right there, Rick. Yeah. That came to light to me just a week ago when HBO put forth, not their 24-7, but their official half-hour preview show that they put out, which – you know, name drop, plug drop here that yours truly was on the panel that day looking washed with a flavor saver under my lip that I only grew out to make my wife upset. Who would have known I'd be, it would live for in, in, in infamy on the screen there. More importantly, I hadn't heard about that until you saw John David Jackson sort of publicly revealing. Did you know about that in the first fight? As what I ha- didn't as
1: actually, I, I didn't. Um, and I learned about it also from the HBO video and that thing, I mean, that is alarming kind of, or, I mean, it it's, it's not normal. You know, you don't expect to hear the, the trainer go in and say, yeah, well, another problem was that my fighter wasn't listening to me and he brought in some guy I'd never seen before to talk to him in the ring. Um, (laughs) you know, so, uh, certainly, um, whether or not uh, the stuff that Ward is, is saying, you know, happened all happened and, and, and the way it did happen, um, there's something going on there for for John David Jackson to be, sort of complaining to hbo on a on a video that they put out to promote the fight is uh is is definitely there's there's something going on there um my question is how you know we we just don't know how much any of this matters you know and like uh, you know uh, kovalev while a good boxer i don't we don't expect him to come in with you know the andre ward plan a b c d e and f you know i mean he's gonna come in and do you know Try to fight a better version of his of the fight he fought last time, and you know hope that uh, it's Kenny Bayless refereeing this one. Is it or I it haven't heard. No. Okay, so hoping that the referee this time will break them up a little sooner, won't let him wrestle as much, and hope that he gets a better shake from the judges. I don't think Kovalev uh, is coming in with a vastly different approach to this fight. Nor do I really think he should, because he just doesn't seem like that. You know, an adjustment fighter.
0: Um, Well, look, I'm a guy who we're going to get into the breakdown of the X's and O's in in next week's, of of course, podcast. I just think this was interesting. You're more of a guy who, when this stuff happens, just sort of says, hey, what, you know, it's soap opera. It's it's storylines to sell it. I get caught up in this stuff. This stuff moves me because I think it may have shown you that if this is true in that first fight and Kovalev wasn't on the same page of, of his own trainer, maybe this was sort of a high watermark for Kovalev believing his own hype to, you know, too much to a certain degree where Maybe he wasn't training as hard. Maybe he thought he was going to walk through Ward. Maybe he didn't care as much in connecting and listening to his trainer because he brought in this other guy. We've seen this happen before to boxers, and there's just sort of that uneasy relationship to begin with, whereas we can't deny it. Kovla has been caught up in some racist behavior, whether it's a cultural breakdown or not. There's been some quasi-racist behavior coming out of him in the past where a lot of people have said, hey, JDJ, why are you staying with this guy, right? Like, that's sort of the better question
1: it it never it's got to be difficult for for John David Jackson to feel to sort of have to stand up for Kovalev every time and it's become such an issue that he probably gets asked ever for at least once you know a few more than once during every promotion you know well how do you feel about Kovalev's racist tweets do you think that he's actually that way and and then he for you know for for John David Jackson to have to stand up for him every time and sort of you know uh, explain it away is 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 difficult, and I mean he's done an admirable job. If if you you know if that's the way he feels, you know he's 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 held up. He's sort of done his part of the the the, the bargain there. Um, it's I, but like with Kovalev, he's just who the hell knows how much they actually ever understood each other to begin with. I mean Kovalev, you know we've
0: interviewed him. He speaks English
1: pretty well, but uh, but he doesn't understand it
0: that well though. He he speaks it better than he understands it, and that's important. Yeah, it's true. But also in, in
1: sports, you see, you know, and especially with international athletes, you understand the English of boxing. If you're a fighter, you understand the English of basketball. If you're a Philippine basketball player, for example, um, you know, like there, there's usually that stuff is easier. to. It's easier to have a, a straight up, you know, coach athlete <laughs> conversation and say, like, you know, a, a, an interview with with Colbert. Well, Sergey, how do you feel about the recent developments? You know, and then he's just like, what are you talking
0: about? Yeah, he speaks the international language of love. It reminds me of Yoshihiro Kamagai, who we're going to talk about very shortly, going up in that press conference saying... I don't speak English too well, but I speak boxing. What the heck does that mean? We're going to talk a lot more X's and O's. Ward Kovalev next week, we'll get into it, but I think this was a juicy storyline heading into there. We have some other quick headlines to get to before our final segment, Rafe. First one is just today, on Monday as we record this, Oscar De La Hoya took to SportsCenter announcing that Canelo Triple Triple G this September will take place at T-Mobile in Las Vegas, the, the big time arena there. To me, Rafe, it's a disappointment because I wanted this Fight to be a super super fight, and I wanted it to get that Dallas, you know, AT and T Cowboys Stadium treatment for it. Considering we had to sit through Canelo against Liam Liam uh, Smith at at Cowboys Stadium, which made no sense. Why wouldn't this one be there?
1: Money, right? I mean, like it all comes down to money. You know, they they, they say every time, even if you can fill up Jerry World, even if you get like a hundred thousand people to show up. Um, Somehow the money makes you know you you it works out better when they fight in Vegas in front of a smaller crowd and I don't I look I I think a huge fight in Vegas is so much fun the you can get a real fight week that just takes over takes over the strip um you know and and, and people will be traveling really making plans to see this fight so I, I I'm not that disappointed maybe the actual event itself uh, may not feel. As, as grand scale without the huge stadium effect, but. Uh, you know, uh, 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 an uh, awesome fight week in Vegas. I mean, you've you've been to be- the biggest fight weeks, uh, you know, in the past ten years in Vegas. I haven't even been to those. I mean, you were at uh, Canelo Mayweather and Mayweather Pacquiao, and those. I mean, it must be incredible to see that kind of stuff.
0: It's insane, and I think it just had like you know, Oscar said he turned down big offers from Madison Square Garden, which I don't think was ever really in the running because of the state taxes in New York. That always takes a lot of people out of it. He also mentioned Dodger Stadium, but. I think there's extra fees that come with that. 20,000 people can sit in T-Mobile. You're right. You can you can do higher price tickets, and he must be getting something big under the table. There's always been those rumors that Floyd and Al Heyman are getting, you know, 15, 20 million a pot from MGM Graham to always host his fights there. That's why they've always stayed on that property. There's got to be a, a, many reasons why Oscar went in this direction. Just would a wish, you know, for... for for a Kodo Foreman, Yuri Foreman, the great, the great uh the great rabbi Yuri Foreman to get put in a venue like Yankee Stadium and sort of make it not feel special. A fight like this would have been great if we went in that direction. They didn't do it. Moving on, De La Hoya also in the headlines because he signed Miguel Kodo, the 36-year-old who left Rock Nation, signed a multi-fight deal with Golden Boy. With that though, is also a promotional help. Will they'll team up with Cotto Promotions to promote Cotto's young fighters in Puerto Rico? Whatever on that, we want to know what does Cotto have left? Who will he fight? We know he's going to fight for a vacant 154 pound belt against Yoshihiro Kamagai on HBO in August. It'll be a StubHub Center fight. So that's that's your territory, Rafe. That's always a guaranteed brawl. The tease here is that you know Cotto would win the belt and he would have a big fight in December with Oscar pushing that pay per view. Rafe, this fight. For the action potential, it stinks. It's not an it's not an evenly matched fight. This is Delvin Rodriguez all over again. Come on. Yeah, if, it, well, the the I guess
1: the danger is if Kodo goes in there and and can't you know just wipe the floor with Kamagai, um, which uh, I guess you know I mean Kamagai is a t- you know we haven't have we even seen him down. Uh, he you know he takes a good punch. Um, yeah, but it's uh, who cares about this fight, man? I mean, what what I guess. What's next? What do you? Where, what can they get next? What's a realistic next fight and maybe last fight for Miguel Cotto?
0: Well, C- Cotto and Mar- Marquez, you know Juan Manuel Marquez are still balking at each other through How, the media. Those, those
1: two guys will ne- like those guys have no budge. They're both crazy. They're both. Right. I mean, and it's
0: they, not a money thing. I don't think it's as much it's a money weight. thing with them it's as weight. It's weight. And, right? Yeah,
1: it's weight and each guy saying, "Well, I'll only do it my way." Like you know, yeah. it, they, I don't know if those guys, especially because they both are in positions where they say, "Well, I don't need this." Like I, I I'd like it. um I don't know if they can get it. I'd love to see it happen. I'd love. I'd love. I mean, if if Marquez could get back in the ring and look something like, you know, himself, which, uh, you know, thanks to the modern uh, physical uh, training methods seems, I guess, possible. Um, oh, man, I'd love to see him back. He's so much fun, and that would be a great, great fight. I don't I wonder I don't if they,
0: if they, we didn't mention this last podcast. I wonder if they throw Marquez at, at Terrence Crawford on a pay-per-view level. That would put Crawford over a, a higher degree. He, I think he'd mop the floor with him. I, I say mop. I it's think a, he would.
1: It's it's well, oh, yeah, because it's a classic, terrible matchup. Even if Marquez yeah. were close to prime, it's a, it just the, it's the kind of guy who he could never deal with, you know. I mean, and, and Crawford is smart enough. You make, you know, you make him lead. You don't let him counter, and he's quick enough to 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 fight him from range and all. And he knows, you know, he's he's got like sixteen different blueprints to 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 win
0: that fight. Kind of starting with the Tim Bradley way. Um, uh, but you know but, what what Oscar's doing here, right? Oscar keeps talking about I got big plans for Cotto in December. I, you gotta believe his big plans are David Lemieux at 157 pounds, right? I mean, you gotta—that's probably right. I mean, it just Lemieux know.
1: can't get to 157. Nah, you're right. You're right. I mean, and if Cotto might gonna be win- somewhere, it might—and that, that makes sense. I mean, that's a dangerous fight. I mean, shoot. I mean, it's a dangerous fight for Cotto.
0: I don't know if that's a big enough risk reward for him. But well, um, HBO took this fight, and the WBO was willing to put a a vacant because... title on, which made no sense. So you have to believe it. It's probably a junior middleweight fight, and maybe they throw that belt to sweeten the pot up for Marquez and saying, all right, guy, go up to 152 at a catch weight. The 54 belt will be on the line. You can extend your legacy if you can win it. And then Cotto would beat him up. Oscar was also in the headlines this week, Rafe, a third time on our show. We'll be quick about this. But two-faced Oscar put it right in the letter to boxing fans saying boycott Mayweather McGregor because it'll ruin the sport. I mean, who really cares about that side of the news? He did the same thing when Floyd retired or basically telling Floyd to retire to save the sport. We don't need you anymore. The entertaining part was Dana White, who thought the two of them were boys came back like, Oscar, you idiot, what are you doing? And he was the one who put out the video on social media of just six months ago, Oscar Uh telling everybody, Conor McGregor should fight Canelo Alvarez, will be the best thing that can happen to the sport. Do you got any reaction to this, or we just move on? I know this is par for the course for boxing promoters who are, if if you know, I'm I'm telling the truth today, but I'm lying tomorrow. Is that the famous Bob Arum line? Right. Well, I I mean, that's disappointed with this. I was was disappointed to see Oscar so blatantly look like a chump. Come
1: on, that's the that's the thing that kind of amazes me with Oscar is that like he's he goes into this with his entire you know the boxing media and fans, the people who follow the sport on a day to day basis are basically expecting to be lied to at all times. Like you, you just know that nothing is ever totally true. And that's part of the game. Something that I think a lot of us actually, you know, maybe some, I'm sure it drives us crazy sometimes, but there are times when I also embrace it. I think it's funny. It's the, the, the the sort of trying to read between the lines and the smoking and see through the smoke and mirrors of the sport is one of the fun things of being a boxing fan. It's sort of, all right, he's saying this. I know that's not actually true, but what is he actually trying to get at that sort of that, that is, part of the fun of following the sport what's amazing is oscar is the worst liar as a promoter <laughs> i don't know i've ever seen he just it's just lame when he does it like when he put that when he put that that uh that the 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 letter out that when he posted that letter on facebook you're just like oscar shut up this is crazy this is just goofy like you're not you know as i'm here to save boxing stop saying that stop trying to be earnest because you can't be earnest as a yeah. promoter because it's a it's a it's a Two-faced profession. So you got to be – you got to be like a, a, a charming snake oil salesman. You got to be Schaefer. You got to be Aram. Um, you got to be uh, – somehow I, – I mean it's interesting. You look at Kathy Duva. They don't – she she comes across as being pretty earnest but somehow manages to get her, her lies in just the same as anyone else. I mean you're supposed to lie. You got to lie. But – you know, if you do it well, people don't get as don't get mad at you. They're just kind of like, well, that's the game. The game is the game. Oscar, I hope maybe he'll learn it. Maybe he'll just keep looking like a fool.
0: No, it's it's unfortunate, man. He he just always ends up looking like a fool. It's, you know, a lot of it is the outside the ring issues that keep creeping up. But in the end. Oscar can't stop looking like a fool, and I hate to see it, because you know that's my guy. You know that's my favorite fighter of all time. We move on. Our final headline is something I pop big for. July 29th, showtime. Maybe at the Barclays Center, we'll see, but a 140-pound showcase bout between A.B., Adrian Broner, and my guy, Mikey Garcia. It kind of cements Showtime's domination over the cable landscape for 2017. They have a strong spring into summer schedule. This, for me, I mean, look, as much as we can maybe predict what will happen, just the star power and the creative matchmaking pops for me. Rafe, before I even get reaction... I want to transition from this news piece into our final segment, my favorite segment we're rolling out this week, because what's my favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do is like sit by the campfire, crack a beer, get a stogie out there, whatever you got to do, and just have those deep boxing discussions and say, you know what, this fight, what would it look like? And you know what what it would look like means? It means, you know, not necessarily what would happen, but what does that fight look like? How do these two match up? Rafe, let's kick off what it would look like. With July 29th, the creative matchup Broner Garcia, what does it look like,
1: dude? I think I I'm curious. Like I think it I think it's a good fight. I think it's a good matchup. I mean I I, I would fa- I favor Mikey Garcia in it just because you know he's he's he doesn't have as many question marks as Broner, but. Um, I think that you know they're both patient. They're going. They're going to. It's going to be a fight where they both go in and try and outbox the other guy. They're they're both really sort of. They don't. They're not that active. They're patient. They look to counter. Um, and that's not. It's it's almost a better matchup for Adrian Broner than than say Sean Porter was or some of the other guys who you see that the sort of the best the, the the right now the way that people the that that fighters have been able to beat adrian broner sort of easily is by outworking him by by making it rough and and a little bit ugly and and just not letting him sit there and take pot shots you know because his timing is still good he's good at that um and you know mikey garcia is gonna is probably gonna go in and and look to outbox him which i think eventually he will be able to do um but He's he's gonna it's gonna give Broner a chance to uh to fight his best fight or, or something close to it. Who knows if he even has his best fight in him? But
0: it's gonna Broner is gonna be something where he has a chance to look decent. Yeah, you get you get some questions answered. You get to see what Mikey looks like at 140. Is the power still come with him? He's he's kinda said. He, you know, He's always said I'd go up to welterweight for a really big fight to fight Pacquiao, but recently he's kind of saying, look, I I, I don't think I'm going to go above 40 anytime soon. To him, that's sort of his ceiling at the moment. I think he wants to stay close enough down to the 30-35 area where if he can get a giant fight there, it's not as going to be as hard to fall down. But you answer that question about Mikey. You also answer, like you mentioned, that question of are they just cashing out A.B.? Or can he actually surprise us? Because sometimes when a guy is counted out so many times and they still have yet to maximize their potential, they might surprise you and do just that. If AB does that, we have a fun fight here. I mean, the one thing about AB, got a chin, got a backbone. People forget for as much as they laugh at the Maidana fight, he had Maidana backpedaling those last two rounds out of gas. He was the one walking him down. If that was a 15-round fight, I still say to this day, AB is the one doing the gyrations afterwards because I think he wins that fight. I'm more likely to believe he's he's closer to washed when we do see this fight. But, man, I love the creativity. I love to see how that X's and O's are going to work out. Because one thing about AB, his power didn't carry up to welterweight, but he still has sneaky power because he has good timing with those counter shots. So this will be interesting. Rafe, my second one on what does it look like? We want Errol Spence to fight the big ones. He wants him to fight the. He wants to fight the big ones. We know the long term big one from him is Terence Crawford. That will be the ultimate decider of is he the true pound for pound number one in waiting. Who knows if we'll see that? Who knows how long? The immediate one is Thurman. He wants Thurman. Hopefully we get that in 2018. But the wild card. What does it look like for me? Is another guy that Spence has been calling out, Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, wow. How would this fight look? What would it look like, Rafe? Because the thing about Manny is, right? 38, 39, but has somehow retained the speed and somehow has retained the angles. I would love this challenge right now from the softpaw stance to see how Spence would respond to that awkwardness mixed with speed. Because it's one thing to be awkward, it's one thing to be fast. Very few guys mix that together on the highest level. I'd favor Spence in the long run over 12 rounds. But I don't know if he'd automatically get that decision automatically because Manny still has the big name, he still has some power. Do you think Manny could win 6 rounds against him? I don't know.
1: I think he could win a I think he could win rounds, yeah. Um it's ugh, man, I I think we we do want to see how Manny looks against Jeff Horn even though that might not tell us a whole Nothing. lot. Um well, if he looks bad, it might tell us something. Um <clears throat> but um he yeah, he's still quick enough. I mean, he fought a you know, he fought one of the tougher schedules of, of twenty sixteen and and barely and didn't lose many rounds at all. Um, so he's he's it seems like Manny still has it. I think that Spence is just too big. I mean, like Manny is a guy who, you know, is sort of been masquerading as a welterweight just because of the money that's there and because he was able to win fights. But you know, he says, and it seems it 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 I don't really doubt it that he could get down to 140 pretty easily. Um and they Spence say even is a 35. Very, they always yeah, say 35 I, for the money. And 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 Spence is such a big welterweight, so strong. Um, it's not something I would want to see necessarily because Spence also, you know, he he gets hit a little bit. So it's not something where he would necessarily just outpoint and, and and Manny in a in a not uh, in a in a sort of and cruise to a decision. Um, there would be some exchanges, and uh, and Manny could get beat up in that. Um well, what I would think be
0: interesting is th- this rape. Whereas, like, if he fought Thurman. You'd be, you'd be more apt to believe because Thurman has more of a natural traditional style that for as good as Thurman is in mixing speed and boxing and power that Spence would be able to disarm that you could see that happening you could yes. guess that that could happen the Manny awkward angles mixed with speed and some pop you know that that'd be interesting to see if he could really pass that chess match
1: that's true I hey I... I it's it seems unlikely but it would be great it would be a really cool chess match i mean you, you Manny is one of those guys who you you weigh the the it's 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 a tough decision between man you know this guy has had so many fights it, you tell you know he's nearing the end of his career but he still has this belt and he's still competitive and he still is an interesting matchup for the best fighters but it, but you don't want to part of you also don't want to see him just get uh, get hurt in in one of those fights if he happens to go into a ring and and find out that he doesn't have it. Let me throw a m- perhaps more likely uh Manny Pacquiao matchup at you, and that's the Machine, the new Manny Pacquiao, Lucas <laughs> Matisse. I mean, this is the fight that Matisse wants or Matisse wants, and I think it's really smart of him. I mean, you know, uh, to come back, he he looks. I didn't even th- he he got that um. He got that knockout over Emmanuel Taylor. I didn't think he looked amazing in it, but he he, he still, you know, obviously has enough power. And that is a fun fight. And, and it seems like Matisse doesn't care. He'll go anywhere to do it. And it's the kind of guy who offers the right kind of a little bit of name, enough intrigue. I mean, oh,
0: I, I got this one gives me the feels. This is like a semi old guy fight. Talk to me. Yeah, this is the best-case scenario for everyone. For fans, if you're a, a Manny Stickler like I am, where I'm yelling, Manny, fight somebody who manners, this still fills that hole because, obviously, it's a big name. The potential for action, it'd be big money for Matisse, a great way to cash out on the end of his career. For Manny, obviously, it's a marketable challenge. It's a fun potential fight. I'd pop for it just like you. But when I really tear through those X's and O's and you ask yourself, what does this look like? Man, this looks bad for, for, for the, we have a new Manny Pacquiao. No, we don't. We have a new Manny Pacquiao victim. In fact, I think this could be the fight that would break Pacquiao's knockout streak. I know we've, we've said that about 14 times going back the last nine years, every time Freddie Roach predicts a knockout. I actually think this would be the one if, if Get Horn, Jeff Hornet, doesn't snap it himself. I think Matisse is tailor-made for those speed and awkward angles of Pacquiao. And here's the thing you have to remind yourself outside of getting knocked out cold with the kind of punch from Marquez that almost broke his stem in half. And I know that's vicious and violent and, and raw to say anyone's going down from that punch outside of that punch. When was the last time you visibly saw Manny shook shaken, hurt by a punch? I mean, he says he was hurt badly in the Margarito fight, but he covered it up and didn't show you that Rafe. When was the actual last time you saw Manny hurt? I asked you that question. Cause I don't even know if Lucas, would stagger him manny's chin is something we don't talk about enough i mean it's ridiculous
1: it is ridiculous i i, it's, I just just to 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 sort of answer the question because i think it's, it's fun to sort of think about it might have been uh the 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 first Marquez rematch, you know, the the one in two thousand seven, uh, when when he got you know when when Manny was definitely buzzed early in that fight, um, uh, and and was hurt a couple times, and he did um, Manny
0: things, right? He pounded his gloves. He did the Manny. Oh thing. yeah,
1: I mean that was a, it was a different it was a different time, man. Ten years ago, Oof, it was fun. Um, but I, I I I don't know. I mean, Matisse, I, I believe in that power. I think that you know the bigger question is, would he ever land clean against Bacal? Um, Especially because Manny has been a has been a visibly more uh, cautious fighter since he got knocked out against uh, against Juan Manuel Marquez in 2012. I mean, he is he 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 you know he doesn't stay in the pocket. He really just moves in and out. Lands you know one usually lands the left once and then gets out. He's he's working. The angles. He he is a more you know movement based, not not really looking to engage and and take guys out style of fighter. So I, I but I think that if 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 it did turn into a fight where they're exchanging, um, I would say that Manny is it would be vulnerable in that. I think anyone would if 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 you're letting Matisse land shots on you. I mean. Uh, outside of the what Provodnikov took in that fight, um, I don't think many people are, are standing up to that, even me. Here's mainly. what
0: this fight ends up looking like. Remember when Washed Mosley in 2011 walked in there against Manny and convinced himself that he was going to be a real opponent? And he got caught with one of those punches he didn't see coming from an awkward angle. And that look on his face as he got up from the canvas and was <laughs> like, what did I sign up for? I feel, and I love La Machina. I, I still have that selfie of him with you in the background in Vegas where I stopped him and, and accosted him on the on the casino floor and just took a selfie. We love the guy. He's a legend. I feel like he would get dropped twice by some of those shots and then would go... You know what? What am I doing here? Do I want this? Do I want to have a, a post style type ending? Do I really want to be here? I kind of feel like that. And that's 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 like almost, you know, illegal. That's bad talk about a guy we love. That that's that's almost, you know, it's hard for the words to come out of my mouth, but I feel like it. You ask me what it would look like, I feel like that. But we gotta roll on here, Rafe. Look, you know how this sort of debate of what would a fight look like starts. It starts when you're sitting around, you're at Jimmy's corner in New York, and you're talking about, you know, who's the one guy who could have given Floyd trouble. And we all reached to welterweight Paul Williams from 2008, and it's worthy of a long discussion in a separate podcast in itself. Yes, that's the one fight that got away. I don't, I don't put negatives on Floyd for not taking it because timing wise, it never made a ton of sense. I get why we didn't see it. But there is one more matchup from Floyd's sort of welterweight to junior middleweight prime that we didn't see, but that I think would have been an even tougher matchup, and it's this, Rafe. Tell me what it looks like. Floyd Mayweather versus Winky Wright at junior middleweight. Middleweight. Wow, I sounded Canadian Middle. there for a second. Oh, middleweight. Welcome if, in. And, welcome I mean, in. If you're, you're going to ask yourself who gives... Floyd, the toughest challenge, maybe outside of like Prime09 Welterweight Pacquiao, maybe outside of that guy, who gives him the true toughest challenge? Winky at 54 would be something. Rafe, what does that fight look like? Boring.
1: I think it looks very boring. Um, you know, but um not That's to the be ultimate too chess match, bro. It chess yeah.
0: match heads, that's the ultimate one.
1: No, I would I would be interested in it. Um I, it would, I mean. It would be boring, man. I think, I mean, yes, it would be. It, nobody ever looks that good against a, a prime, you know, in, in, you know, Winky Wright at, at, at his best weight. Um, I think that. So are
0: you telling me my the image in my head is the Winky Wright who jabbed Tito Trinidad and ruined his hair for one night at, at <laughs> middleweight, jabbed him a thousand times and won 12 rounds to nothing? Obviously, that wouldn't happen to Floyd. So do you think I have the wrong mental image in my head? Because we still saw Winky have to brawl with Jermaine Taylor to get that draw, right?
1: yeah i think that i i i i see it i think it would be um you know it, it would be fought at a distance and 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 it would there'd be a lot of sort of you know they'd be standing fainting at each other sort of the doing like two cobras you know sort of you know leaning back and forth looking for looking for a, a moment to strike and uh i think floyd you know floyd just quicker has better timing would would win on points um it's yeah, not you pop my
0: balloon you're right you just popped my balloon i think you were, you were rightfully rightfully so to do that it's not like it would, it's not like Floyd's getting stuck with that jab for 12 rounds. Probably
1: not. But it's, a, I mean, look, that doesn't mean it wouldn't be interesting. It wouldn't be worth watching. I mean, it, like, just because you favor Floyd, I mean, you favor Floyd, you know, probably against anyone uh, in in his generation of fighters who's reasonable to fight, you know. Um, so uh, it, nothing wrong with thinking about it. But yeah, to me, I, especially if you're thinking like, Floyd probably, you know, Floyd probably gets more help on the scorecards than Winky does uh, yeah, traditionally. Point. So uh, if we're talking about a, a chess match and, and, a, and a close fight that turns into a decision that maybe Floyd gets a, few, a couple extra points that, that, that you know, yeah. not everybody watching thinks he deserves, that's what it looks like.
0: And you're right, there's cautious fainting, there's Floyd doing that jab to the body where he steps mm-hmm. back as he does it, and then it's him mixing in some right-hand leads. And you're right, that's, an off, that's probably an awful watch in the end. Um, but all right, you
1: know, you know, me, man, I am always trying to get El Chino Maidana back into the ring. I will, (laughs) I will, I will will come up with this forever. Uh, One more, one more, what's it look like to you? What if they can, so we tried to throw money at him to come back and fight Errol Spence. What if he says, no, 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 I want a bigger name. And then, okay, we got, we got somebody for you. And Oscar comes in, backs up the Brinks truck to, you know, the Maidana estate in Argentina and says, Yeah. The compound, yes. There's machine guns. Uh, says,
0: there's a lot of things going on. There's tattoo <laughs> parlor. There's, you know. right.
1: And says, El Chino, get back into shape and fight Miguel Cotto at 154 pounds at the end of 2017 or early 2018. Wow. Ooh, now we're talking. What does that look
0: like? It was, oh, my God. So that might be the ace of Oscar's sleeve. I'm thinking, Lemieux, you're going, no. Him and Chino are still on – are they on common ground, right? First of all, should I ruin this by talking about boxing politics and remind you that Maidana did – did he pull away from Oscar in I, the Great War? Or was he still with Oscar when he fought Floyd twice?
1: He No, he had to go to, he had to go to Heyman. He was with PBC and I think he left after.
0: All right. All right. So let's say we go back and we sign that. What does that look like? Wow. You know what it looks like in the end? I mean, Chino's not going to be in the same shape, obviously, as he was prime 47 against Mayweather. There's, you know, there's no question we've seen him. He was fat. He's had reasons to be fat. He's been living on those 4 million double paydays he got from, from Floyd, a one fifty four version of, of Maidana trying to get back into shape. Look, his movement, his lateral movement is going to be tough. And there's one thing Cotto still does really well. And I don't know how he does it, but at 36, and some people might say drugs, I don't know, you know? I mean, at 36, he still moves and, and boxes really well. He gave Canelo a decent fight in that fight, but the only thing he didn't do in that fight, he boxed well. The only thing he didn't do was hurt Canelo and use his left hook and give Canelo a reason to not come forward. And even Freddie Roach's trainer after the bout said, I really don't know why Miguel didn't use the left hook like we talked about. Even if he doesn't use the left hook against Maidana, just his ability to still box and be quick, I think that really offsets Maidana. I think that you're not going to see, like I mentioned, the prime bull rushing ahead, breaking the defenses of even a Floyd Mayweather and and cornering him with those helicopter punches. I don't think you see that. I think you get a lot of big hype coming in there. And I think Miguel is going to deflate that balloon just enough and really just be fine to outbox him. Might give not giving enough credit to the heart and soul of, of El Chino here? Well, I think you are you are reasonably factoring
1: in the, the, the likelihood that Maidana might not come back in, in, with a full tank of gas, uh, which, uh, which changes the way that fight looks. If he does, if he is in shape and wants to press that fight, I don't think Cotto boxes well enough or moves quite well enough to stay away from him for 12 rounds. I mean, most of the time mm-hmm. when Cotto does his I'm going to become a boxer thing and starts sort of like doing defensive slides and circles around the ring, Occasionally throwing out a jab, it doesn't work out that well. Uh, he is, you You're
0: know, talking he, about Mister Balls, right?
1: Yeah, Mister well, Mister Balls, the one and only. Uh, you know, whatever you know, the 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 uh, the pink underpants aren't quite enough to uh, to speed him around the ring against against everyone. It's it, yeah, it, it comes down to a stamina thing. If Maidana doesn't doesn't have enough to uh, to really cut off the ring and 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 make it make Kodo fight him, then then it looks like what you said. If uh, they end up you know, engaging and exchanging uh, and Maidana can turn it into a fight a little bit more like his. I don't think Miguel Cotto wants that world at this point but in his Cotto's career. The
0: bi- Would Cotto be the bigger fighter? I think Cotto's the bigger fighter. And I think that's going to be a problem. They're for Maidana. Bo- I
1: mean, uh, they're both blown up junior welterweights if you want to get like really reductive about it. But um, he'd be, yeah, Cotto will be bigger. He's more comfortable with those weights, but um, it's, uh,
0: they're not that far apart. I bet in height, they're pretty close. Yeah, that it, it's interesting. It would obviously come down to Maidana in his heart. If he, even if he came in bloated, imagine if he just said, "Look, this is a four-round fight. You can schedule it for twelve, but for four rounds, I'm putting it on you." That's when it would get fun. He'd probably get stopped late if he if he didn't if he did if he survived you know if Kota survived those four rounds. But very interesting, Rafe. We're gonna come back to this segment in the future. A lot more matchups, both realistic, both carnival, both yeah uh, you know all-time fantasy that we want to get into. But hey, we broke down the world of boxing. We will be back next week to give you that deep dive preview of Andre Ward, Sergey Kovalev. too. hit it up on the on the latest boxing news. A little bit of a slow period this week, but Rafe, you know what's coming. This is a big spring summer. I mean, there's some fights on the horizon, right? Or am I or am I not looking through? I mean, I'm not even talking about your your guy Connor and Floyd may, making it happen, right? No, we're talking Pacquiao Horn all day. Brisbane's gonna blow up. What is the date? What is that? That's that's the first week of July. That fight, early right? July, like two or three. Oh, wow. Well, if I get another email from the great Fred Sternberg telling me how much the local press is just, you know, eating this up, you know, the, the aborigines are going nuts for this fight. They love this fight. They want to hashtag get horn. Come on, fire up. That's what we gave you, though, this week. If you want to hit me up, it's B. Campbell CBS. Give me that hashtag in this corner. Tell us about the pod. Tell us what you like. You can hit up the Boogs master himself at Rafe Bugs. You can buy his book two and two. McSorley's my father and me. That thing's flying. If you can find one, you can buy it. Right, right. That's right, if you
1: can find one. Amazon is a good place to find one, though.
0: Absolutely. A lot of fun stuff we're going to be hitting up next week. Rafe, we got to get into a conspiracy segment at some point because i got to talk to you about that first Floyd-Maidana fight because i got a lot of theories on why that was competitive when the second one didn't need to be, right? i got a lot to talk to you about that down the road. That's a tease for all you out there. I think Floyd thought he had an easy night, and he may have let Maidana come forward. We'll hit that up in the future, though. We only really, though, have two words for you on the way out. Do you want to hit him with it, Rafe? I believe they are. We out.